Welcome to the Peavine Podcast, where each week we bring you the message from our Sunday morning worship service with Pastor Joel Sutherland. We take timeless biblical truth and help you to apply it in the context of your daily life. If you'd like to join us live at one of our campuses or stream one of our services online, go to peavine.org for times, locations, and more information. Ephesians chapter 5, if you have your Bibles this morning, Ephesians chapter 5. That's about two-thirds of the way through your New Testament. It'll be on the screen if you don't have your Bible. I started a sermon series a uh, couple, few weeks ago called The Will of God. We're looking at those places in the Bible where it uses that kind of phrase, will of God, or it strongly implies that kind of activity, the will of God. And we've looked at being grateful in our prayer lives and last week making a difference. Today I want to preach on this subject. What is the will of God? The will of God is that you be consistent. That you be consistent. Now I'm going to tell you how, we do, how you do that as you go along, but turn to Ephesians 5 and I'll uh, get there in a moment. I don't know if you've heard of this or not. It's something called the compound effect. The compound effect says that small decisions over time add up and become powerful. Let me walk you through this just a little bit. The, con- the concept origin began, it's based on the principle that small, seemingly insignificant steps can compound over time to produce massive results. It's a concept popularized by Darren Hardy in his book, The Compound Effect. So it's seemingly insignificant steps compounded over time give massive results. Here's some of the things we learn, that small choices matter. The idea emphasizes that even the smallest decisions and the smallest actions can have significant impact over time. It's the little things done consistently. Notice that phrase, the little things done consistently that can make the biggest difference in our lives. Why? Because it builds momentum. It's like a snowball rolling downhill. Small actions gather momentum. Consistent effort, even in small doses, builds up and leads to substantial change. Let me pause right here and let me say this because um, this is not part of the sermon. I just want to deal with it. What happens is when we don't operate consistently, or or I'm going to use this word in a moment, faithfully, uh, according to the Bible, we lose all of our momentum. So we're always having to start over again. We're always having to prime the pump again, trying to get momentum. But if you'll just keep going with these small actions, you gather momentum and it leads to substantial change in your life. Uh, one of the things you have to live with is delayed gratification because under the concept, uh, you don't get instant gratification, but it comes as things accumulate slowly and significantly over time. It, it, we see it in habits and routines, right? The compound effect thrives, thrives on daily habits and daily routines, establishing positive habits and sticking to them consistently, there's that word again, leads to long-term success. So notice that establishing these positive habits and sticking to them consistently leads to long-term success. Well, one of the things you have to do is have accountability and tracking them. Keep tracking of where your progress is vital. And then finally, choice, behavior, habit compounded. Look at this. The process starts with making a choice, which turns into behavior, then becomes a habit, and finally compounds to deliver significant results. So every choice matters. Did you hear me? Every 
choice you make in life matters because that, that choice becomes a behavior and that behavior turns into a habit and that habit, if it's positive, will deliver success over time. However, the opposite is also true. If we constantly allow bad choices, then you're not going to eliminate bad habits. The same principle applies to bad habits. Small negative actions can compound into harmful results, so it's crucial to identify them and change them. So it works both ways, right? The compound effect works both ways. It is these, these consistent habits over time, these consistent choices over time make all of the difference in the world. So let me, let me put this in real world examples and then I'll give you the message. Uh, so let me ask you this. Would you rather me write you a check today for $3 million, which is not going to happen in case somebody edits this out, edit, 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 and Joel's not going to do it, for $3 million, or would you rather me give you a penny today and double it every day for 31 days? Well, you know the answer because I'm asking the question, right? Now, I'll just be truthful. I would take the $3 million right now because I don't trust you 31 days later. <laughs> but had you chosen the 31-day option, at the end of a month, you would have almost $11 million because of the compound effect. If you, if you study weight loss, most doctors will tell you you don't need to be on the cabbage soup diet for the rest of your life. You need to make small changes to the way you eat and the way you live. If you talk to most fitness people, you don't need to be at the gym seven days a week, three hours a day for long life. You need to have consistent strength building exercise things in your life like push-ups and sit-ups and planking and walking and those kind of things that get you moving. You say, well, I, I exercised for a week and I didn't notice a difference. It's the compound effect. Over the long haul, it makes a difference. It's true when it comes to your finances. Warren Buffett refuses to invest in the latest, flashiest tech stock. Instead, he invests in healthy companies that are earning a profit, and he takes his profit and reinvests it in healthy companies that are earning a profit, and he takes that profit and reinvests it in healthy companies that are earning a profit. And over time, he became one of the wealthiest men in the world. I did the math, and I checked it. If you were to, and I know a man who has done this, if you were to buy a Roth IRA, when you were 18 years old, put $5,000 in a Roth IRA and bought one every year until you were 65 years old, 47 years, you would have taken out of your own pocket $235,000, but you would have for retirement almost $2 million. Why? It's the compound effect. It is small gains over time leads to success. Now, let me preach. The reason we cannot be successful in the Christian life is we do not have 
in our life small gains over time that lead to success. If you want to have success in your Christian life, too many Christians live this way. One step forward, two steps back. Two steps forward, one step back. And they never find that consistency. They never find that rhythm that is in their lives that, by the way, we're going to see in just a moment, would be the will of God for your life that you be a consistent Christian, living for Jesus day in and day out. Not flashy, not trying to change the world, just living for Jesus day in, day out, making a difference in other people's lives. It is that kind of Christianity that over the long haul builds a strong Christian that will hear, well done, thou good and faithful servant. It's the key. You've heard Aesop's fable, the tortoise and the hare, right? I call it the turtle and the rabbit for Northwest Georgia's sake. Right? The turtle, the rabbit full of pride challenged the turtle to a race and said, I can beat you any day. And rabbits are fast. And so they took off for a race. The gun sounded, off they go. And the rabbit is so fast and he gets such a big lead, he decides he can goof off for a little while. And he goofs off and talks to people and finally decides to take a nap. All the while, the turtle just kept going. And finally, the turtle passed the rabbit. The rabbit woke up, realized the turtle was in front of him. And man, he took off again. I mean, a blue streak of lightning. He is gone. He got so far ahead of the turtle that here comes another nap. The turtle just kept plodding time after time, same step, same gait, nothing different, just kept going. Finally, passed the rabbit, and the, the rabbit had slept too long this time, but he got off. He gave it all of his might, and he took off running, but the turtle stretched and crossed the finish line right in front of him. What do we learn from Aesop's fable? We learn this. It is consistency that wins the day. Now, the Bible would give it a, another term, but we can use both. The Bible said in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 2, Moreover, it is required in stewards that a man be found faithful. I could substitute the word faithfulness for consistency and would do it no damage. I could substitute the word consistency for faithfulness and would do it no damage. What God is looking for, what His will is for your life, is that you be faithful in the Christian life, that you be consistent in the Christian life because it's always going to be uh, consistency that wins the day. So I want you to stop and ask yourself the question this morning, are you prone to, number one, everyday consistency, or are you prone to spurts here and there followed by distractions? Sam is afraid the vast majority of Christians are hanging out in this territory. What do you mean? We'll get up one day and we'll pray. And we say we're going to pray for an hour and we pray. But really, really, two days in and we're inconsistent again. We get up one day and we're going to read through our Bible in six months. We get out of our Bible. We get out of plan. And man, we start off great. And we burn through Genesis. And we burn through Exodus. And then we hit, does anybody know? Leviticus. And you get to learn about skin diseases in Leviticus. And all of a sudden, we're spurts here and there, followed by distractions. 
We hear a sermon about the tithe is the Lord's. We ought to be giving, tithing every week, and we'll get a paycheck or two and we'll tithe. But it's not that everyday consistency, it's spurts here and there. I mean, look at your own Christian life. The vast majority of Christians are living in that space of spurts here and there, not consistent, faithful Christian living. Can I tell you this morning, church, that your success in life is going to come. Your success in the Christian life never comes through spurts and distractions. It comes through faithful Christian living. Every day, every week, plotting forward for the cause of Christ. Well, how do, we, how do we get there? How do we get there? Well, Ephesians chapter 5, I think, lays out the activities we need in our lives in order to be consistent. It's not just laying out, it's not laying out, rather, what we need to do to be consistent. That's, that's a long list. It's laying out the activities we need in our lives to help us with consistency. So would you stand with me as we honor God's word by reading it? Even if you're at a campus, let's stand up. Ephesians chapter 5, and of course it'll be on the screen if you don't have your Bibles. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 15. Pay careful attention then to how you walk. Not as unwise people, but as wise. Making the most of the time because the days are evil. So don't be foolish, verse 17, but understand what the Lord's will is Don't get drunk with wine, which leads to reckless living, but be filled by the Spirit. Speaking to one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing and making music with your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you. You may be seated. Let's talk about Christianity. What does it take in order for us to be consistent in the Christian life. I see five things that Paul is telling us that that do these activities and these activities will strengthen your faithfulness in the Christian life. Here they are. Number one, he said, examine yourself. Verse 15, examine yourself. Paul uses this phrase that we need to pay attention to. He said, pay careful attention. Or in other words, examine yourself. Paul wants us to take a good look at ourselves. He's just been talking about light living and dark living. L-I-G-H-T. Light living and dark living. And Paul said, after I've talked about the old man and the new man, light living and dark living, you need to stop and pay careful attention. That word there literally means in the Greek, to, to examine yourself, to look and see where you are, to be honest, to take notice or to observe. He's telling us, sit down and examine where you are in the Christian life. Take an honest assessment, a personal observation, have some self-awareness, pay careful attention is an instruction to look at where you are, to look at where you're headed, and look at where, what direction you are going. Here's what Paul's trying to tell you. You want to be consistent in the Christian life? You've got to get honest with yourself before you're going to find your groove. You've got to have the courage to diagnose your Christian life. Now, that's hard for us to do. We're not good diagnosers of our Christian life. If I were to ask you, what kind of Christian are you? You're going to say, well, I'm a pretty good Christian. You're just going to plow it right down the middle. 
You're not going to say you're a sorry Christian. You're not going to say you're an awesome Christian. You, you, it's going to be Paul and you right under him. You're just going to say, I'm a pretty good Christian. Why? We're not good at examining ourselves. Paul said, you pay careful attention to your Christian life. What does he mean by that? You, you look at where you are. You diagnose the strength of your Christian life. And it's not until you diagnose the strength of your Christian life that you truly understand how faithful you are or you truly grasp how consistent or not consistent you are. I don't know if you've ever heard of CIP or not. CIP is congenital insensitivity to pain. People with CIP are missing a gene that allows them to feel pain. It was first reported in 1932 by physician George Dearborn when a 54-year-old salesman came into his office with a hatchet embedded into his body, and he felt no pain. Did you know Americans take, look this way, 14 billion doses of pain medicine daily? B billion daily. Why I have not invested in Tylenol, I have no idea. 14 billion doses daily. But people with CIP take none of that. They're missing a gene that allows them, you say, well, that'd be awesome. It's terrible. It's terrible. People with CIT are constantly in the emergency room with injuries, broken bones, burns, impalements. One doctor said so many people in their 20s with CIP have committed accidental suicide. Why? They don't have the ability to diagnose a problem. See, when you put your hand on a hot stove, your brain says to you, I need you to diagnose this situation because up here, it feels like down there, something ain't going right. But with CIP, you don't. You would lean on a burning stove until your hand had melted away and you'd fallen down before you'd realize it. Because they lack the ability to examine themselves. I know a lot of Christians that way too. A lot of Christians lack the ability to be honest about their Christian life. And what Paul was saying to you is, listen, you've got to get to the point in life where you can get into the Word of God and based on the Word of God, examine yourself, not give the old line, well, I'm a, I'm a pretty good Christian, I'm trying my best. No, Paul said, you examine your faith. Paul said this, 2 Corinthians chapter 13, he said, examine yourselves as to whether you are in the faith. Paul said, hey, it's on you. You say, preacher, how do I know if I'm saved? Hey, that ain't on me. That's on you. That's on you. You are supposed to examine yourself. Does your life look like a Christian life? Does your life feel like a Christian life? Does your mouth talk like a Christian? Do your feet walk like a Christian? Do you have Christian activities? Paul said, examine yourself. We're not saved by works. But listen, Paul said, you've got to be able to look internally. Romans 8 says, our spirit, if we're saved, testifies with the Holy Spirit that we are a child of God. There's something inside of me that connects with God when I'm a born-again Christian. And Paul said, examine yourself. But he said the same thing to save people in Ephesians 5. Pay careful attention. 
Examine yourself. You want to be faithful in the Christian life. You want to be consistent in the Christian life. That's going to start with you giving yourselves a proper diagnosis dosis of what kind of Christian am I really. See, we don't diagnose well. We make excuses really, really good, though, don't we? And Paul said, drop the excuses. Examine. You want to be consistent? Diagnosis. Number two, you want to be consistent? He said, do something. Do something. He, he said this, in, and if you'll look at it in verse number 16, it's important for you to underline that verse in your Bible. He said, making the most of the time because the days are evil. Making the most of the time. That word making the most of the time is really the Greek word redeemed. It means to buy back your time. Making the most of your time means to buy back your opportunities. Make the most of your opportunities. Why? Because the days are evil. Did you know your days will rob you? They were at your, your day, did you know Monday, is actively working against you? So Paul said this, know what God's will is, verse 17, and get busy doing God's will, verse 16. Paul goes on to say this, your days are evil, evil. Hey, do you know your days are demon-possessed? Because you're, all of hell is not necessarily trying to get you to fall into gross immorality. You know what hell's trying to get you to do? Just waste tomorrow. They're fine if you just waste it. You don't have to commit adultery, murder, or anything else. Just waste the day. You say, preacher, I'm so busy. Eh, are you though? Are you? See, if you study the average American, an average of 2.1 hours are lost daily just from us being distracted. Right? The average time spent on a task before we get distracted is 11 minutes. And it takes us 25 minutes to recover from the distraction. I'll be honest with you, we're pitiful, and I'm one of you, we're pitiful. I mean, we're easily distracted, we can't recover from the distraction, we're blowing over two hours daily because of distractions. Then some of you say, preacher, hey, I'm type A, I got this thing down, I'm not distracted. Well, well hold on, I'll, I'll, get, I'll get to you, look at this. We spend over two and a half hours daily on social media alone. Girls 16 to 24 spend seven hours a day. Seven hours a day. Two and a half, let, let, me just, let me just give the girls a pass. And let me just talk about the rest of us here, two and a half hours a day. You say, oh, preacher, I, if I were to ask you how much time you spend on social media, you'd say 10 minutes. So I'm not even going to ask you. But, but take out your phone and look at screen time on your phone and then tell me. We're spending two and a half hours a day. Listen, I'm not against TikTok, Facebook, Instagram, Whatever, I'm not, against, I'm not against it. But I am against it if we're wasting our lives and not spend it doing the will and serving the kingdom of God. So what Paul was saying in verse 16, redeem the time because the days are evil. Make the most of all your opportunities. Listen, there's coming a day when you're going to stand before God at the judgment seat of Christ and you're going to wish for anything that you had been busy doing something for the kingdom of God. Not wasting your life on a screen, not doing things that don't matter, but living your life earnestly for God's kingdom. Do something you want to be consistent you find out what God's will is for your life and you get busy doing it number three you want to be consistent number three Paul said be be filled with the spirit 
be filled with the Spirit. Now, now, he goes the roundabout way of saying it. I know it's going to get quiet, but look at verse 18. And don't get drunk with wine, which leads to reckless living. Let, let me get one amen out of you this morning. How many of you think it's wrong to be drunk? Say amen. And so, so many Christians have used that verse and said, well, it's okay to drink as long as I don't get drunk. Non-drinkers never make that argument. It's just people who drink that make that argument. That doesn't mean you can drink up to the point of losing sobriety and not one drop more. The reason is you don't know when sobriety ends or begins. It's not a number. But let me ask you this. Does that work with adultery? Now, honey, we did everything in the book except the act. When we checked into the hotel room, we spent the night together, but I never did the one thing, but we did everything else. You think that's going to fly with your husband or your wife? Here's what I'm going to guess. You don't even have to ask them, I don't think, do you? Now, does that fly with Jesus? No. What did Jesus say about adultery? He listed a whole bunch of scenes. didn't get all of them. He just listed some of them so you'd get the principle. Jesus said, if you do what with her, where? Lust after her with your what? Heart. You've already committed what? Y'all with me this morning? Y'all just stunned that a preacher would say anything like this. I can start over if you want me to. I can go all the way back to the beginning. So here's what the principle Jesus was saying. If the sin is wrong, the road that leads to the sin is wrong. Don't get drunk doesn't mean everything up till then is okay. No, it means stay off the road. But then he ends it. Be filled with the Spirit, verse 18. In other words, don't be controlled by an outside substance, but be controlled by the Holy Spirit of God. How much alcohol should never be the question how much alcohol I can intake should never be the question the question is how much of Christ can I get instead of saying how close to sin can you get and still be a Christian see how much of God you can get and you won't want the things of the world instead of filling up with the world not wanting Christ how about filling up with Christ so you won't want the world every now and then I like crumble cookies. Can you say amen to that? Anybody else like crumble cookies? All right, I'll get you back. I'll get you back. Go dogs. Does that bring you back? Okay, thank you. Um, well, that, about half of you. But um, I like crumble cookies. I got the app on my phone. Once my kids showed me there was an app on the phone, I got the app on the phone. There's one particular flavor I like. And, man, here lately they've had all these weird wedding cake I don't want any of that. There's a certain flavor I like. It's a peanut butter thing with a Reese's cup in the middle of it. Like that thing is delicious. And, and I like the regular chocolate chips sometimes too. But I, I, I check the app. Every time I know I'm going to drive by Crumble Cookie up in East Ridge or up on off Gumbar, I check the app. I just wonder what they got today. I'm not going to get it. But every now and then um, I fail and I fall. And since the app is so easy and my credit card's already punched into it, I just order a four-pack. <laughs> I take it home, and I cut each cookie up into quarters. 
And it, I know four quarters equals a whole, but it doesn't seem like as much. And I'll eat one quarter from every cookie, and there's still kind of four cookies left, so it feels like free calories to me. My wife will come home, and she'll be like, what do you want for dinner? And I'm like, eh, I'm fasting for the Lord tonight, baby. I'm a... No, the problem is, I've already filled up on what I didn't need, and so now I don't want what I do need. The whole point of that verse 18 is, when you're messing around with alcohol, you're filling up and laying yourself under the control of something you don't need. Instead, if you will be Filled with the Spirit of God. Alcohol was Louisa's favor. I heard Adrian Rogers say this one time. He said, once I've been filled with the Spirit, I drink all the alcohol I want to drink. I just don't want any anymore. That is the... That is the challenge of verse 18. Listen, if you filled up on Christ, if you filled up on his word, if you filled up on his knees, your knees, the things of the world tend to fade into the background. When was the last time you ever asked God to fill you with his spirit? That's not for the preacher. That's not for the stage. That's for every child of God. We are to be filled with the Spirit of God. And listen, if you want consistency in the Christian life, you won't get it walking in the flesh. You'll get it by walking in the Spirit. And the reason we can't feel, the reason we can't be consistent, the reason we cannot be faithful is we're trying to do it in our own power instead of being filled up with the Spirit of God. So the fourth thing he says, you want to be consistent, number four, Go to church. This seems like a self-serving point, doesn't it? Preacher telling us, go to church, yawn, yawn. But listen what it says, verse 19. Look at verse 19 in your Bibles, if you will, because I want you to see two parts of it. He said, speaking to one another in psalms, hymns, spiritual songs, singing and making music with your heart to the Lord. Notice this. All of those activities are church activities. You say, well, I can do all that by myself. Well, I'll tell you what you can't do, verse, the beginning of it, verse, the beginning of it, speaking to one another. The speaking to one another part is corporate worship together. Everything in that verse is being done in the church. And I want to tell you, the bottom line is you cannot be consistent in the Christian life if you're not going to be in a Sunday in church week in and week out. You, you don't have to come to church to be a Christian, but you do have to come to church to be a good Christian. You need the fellowship of church. You need the growth that comes from church. Listen, can I tell you this? If I were to ask you what I preached last week, you probably don't know. Man, I was hoping somebody was going to shout it out at me right there and impress me. But um, listen, I'm not saying rarely does one sermon change your life. But you know what does happen over time? Hearing sermon after sermon after sermon after sermon after sermon. It's that weekly habit that builds you up in the Christian life. That consistency. You need the growth that comes from church, the worship, the accountability, the serving, the strength. It's the difference between this. It's the difference between hearing the score of the Super Bowl, watching the Super Bowl on television, being at the Super Bowl, or playing in the game. 
That's the difference between hearing about church, watching it online, being there in person, or being here and contributing. Now, there's some people watch online. That's all, that's all you can do. We have so many people that watch out of state. We congratulate all that. But listen, if you're within driving distance, online was meant for those unusual times when you could not be here. And I'm not trying to say that to, to get a big number. Hear me, we got a big number. We're there. I'm trying to say that because I'm telling you that if you want to be consistent overall in the Christian life, if you want to be faithful overall in the Christian life, there's something about meeting week after week after week after week after week after week after week. Over time, that choice, over time, that behavior, over time, that habit leads to success in the Christian life. It's the difference between watching the Super Bowl online, being at the Super Bowl, or playing in the game. Listen, God wants you playing in the game of the Christian life. Go to church. Finally, number five. You want to you want to be consistent and faithful in the Christian life. Number five, be thankful. Now I know some of you are thinking, we've heard this point already. I am amazed. Three out of the four places where I found the will of God, gratefulness and thankfulness were mentioned. And I'm not going to skip it because I've already preached it. God's trying to tell us something. You want to be faithful? Count your blessings. You want to be consistent? Count your blessings. Why? One reason. When you see how good God is to you, you will not want to leave his side. And you don't know how good he is until you sit down and count your blessings. Y'all remember the days of cable TV? You remember 3, 9, and 12? Here in the Chattanooga area, 3, 9, 12. Uh, it's only three channels we had. My whole growing up, and I know I'm speaking a foreign language to some of you, but the remote control was me. My dad said, son, go change the channel. And I went up there to a knob and went click, 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 click to get over 3, 9, or 12. Couldn't record anything. I mean, back in the day, they were not even a VCR. You just, if you missed it, you missed it. Well, then we went to cable. My wife and I first got cable in 1991. I remember because it's the first year we were able to watch the Braves, and she watched about every game that year with me, watched the run in 91, 90, like, It was so much fun. Cable started off $29. Then it went to $39 and $59 and $79. At one point in direct TV, I was paying $179 a month for just regular old cable. Well, then they came in and they said, we're doing away with cable and everything's going streaming and you're going to save so much money. I ain't saved nothing. Have y'all? Because I still got direct TV and I'm having to buy all the other stuff to go with it. We're suffering from something called subscription fatigue in America. So they polled people recently and they asked them, how much money are you spending per month on subscriptions for streaming? And So if I were to ask you, how much money a month are you, just guess, are you spending on subscriptions? People guessed, and the average amount of their guest was $87. Sound about right? And they added it up, and it was $219. Three times what they thought. 
three times what they thought. You say, what in the world does streaming have to do with my Christian life? Because if I were to say to you, isn't God good to you? You'd say, yeah, but boy, I'm in a hard time right now. But if I were to say to you, write down what you're thankful for that God has given you. Count your blessings, as the old hymn used to say. Once you start writing, you know what? It's going to be a lot more than you think it is. You've got so much more to be thankful for than what you think. And listen, when I start to make that list, when I pull out that sheet of paper, I do mine on an iPad in my prayer time every morning. When I, when, I, when I start to make that list and I start writing the things I'm thankful for just from yesterday and other things I'm thankful for in my life, that list grows and that list grows and that list grows and that list grows. And all of a sudden I'm like, Lord, I don't want to leave your side. You're too good to me. And that one act of gratitude will keep you faithful and consistent. It's God's will. It's God's will. Right, right in the middle of those, those verses, God said, here's my will. And he surrounded it with all of that consistent activity. Would you stand with me? Heads bowed, eyes closed. Thank you, Pastor Joel, for that great message. Uh, God's will for us as followers of Jesus is that we be consistent in our spiritual walk. And maybe one of the most challenging things for us to do is life is so busy and so distracting um, that we uh, we neglect um, the discipline of cultivating continuing to cultivate our relationship with god and so i hope you've been challenged this morning to be consistent the truth is though you may have never started a walk with god there may have never been a time in your life so far that you put your faith and trust in Christ. To do that, you've got to understand and be willing to admit that you're a sinner. Your sin has separated you from God. My sin separated me from God. And no matter how hard we try, there's nothing we can do um, to fix that separation. But God loved us to the extent that he sent his only son, Jesus, to die on the cross be buried dead in the tomb and then rise again to pay the penalty for our sin and close the gap that was created by our sin. We've got to believe that. And then according to Romans chapter 10, we believe with our hearts and we confess with our mouth and we will be saved. And maybe that's the step you need to take. Maybe that's the step that God wills for you to do in your life this morning. If God spoke into your heart and you need to give your life to him, tell, tell God this, Lord, I know that I'm a sinner and I'm sorry for my sin. I believe that Jesus died on the cross, that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day to pay the penalty for my sin. And Lord, I ask you through the power of your Holy Spirit right now, to come into my heart, take away my sin, be my Savior. Lord, I give my life to you in Jesus' name. If you prayed that prayer this morning and you meant it with all your heart, we want to say welcome to the family, and we want to help you take next steps on your faith journey with Jesus. The only way we can connect with you is if you click on the button that says, I commit my life to Christ. Answer a few questions there and I'll be in touch with you um, tomorrow. Hey, 
I love our times together each week. It's been a great day worshiping online. God bless you. Have a great week. We'll see you next week. We hope that you've enjoyed the message this week as we help equip you to apply God's word to your daily life. For the latest updates about what's happening around Peavine City, be sure to connect with us on social media. For more information about Peavine, to get in touch with us or check out one of our services, visit us at peavine.org. Thanks for listening.